Welcome to the Thought Feeder Podcast. I'm John Stephen Stansel, and with me as always is Joel Goodman. And this week, we have the Director of Digital Media Strategy at MIT, Jenny Lee Fowler. Thank you so much for being with us this week, Jenny. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about your focus really on, on some of your personal social media accounts, especially Twitter, where I think you've really come on the scene and exploded just dropping some serious truth bombs left and right and putting out <laughs> some really good information lately. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But first, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into higher ed social media? What's you know your job duties and your, your daily life at MIT look like? Um, sure. So how I got into higher ed is a story in itself, but I uh, had an entire career in broadcast journalism, actually, and I thought I would die on the anchor desk. But, you know, the industry changed and my priorities changed. And so um, I took a couple of left turns in my career and somehow was really, really fortunate enough to um, land in higher ed. First, I was in the digital content and editorial, digital, you know, editorial space. And um, social media just became, you know, a greater part of my duties. And I really thought, gosh, if I can pivot into a 100% social media job in, in higher ed, that would be great. And my current position came along. And so here I am. You know, I'm in charge of developing and executing in institute-wide social media initiatives and campaigns. I provide consultation and direction for more than 200 department labs and centers. I think everyone can relate it to how siloed all of their university systems are. And I manage the Institute's flagship Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn accounts. I also lead a social media working group, which currently has 160 members. So that, in a nutshell, is what I do. Um, you know, just like everyone else, I I post, <laughs> you know, I look at content, I'm going through content, I'm... I'm you know, talking to people, I'm advising people, consulting people, meetings, you know, that's probably what everyone day, my day looks like what everyone's day look like, looks like, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of us kind of, you know, social media wasn't the plan, you know, like I've always said, this wasn't a job when I was in college, you know, it wasn't something I prepared, prepared for. In fact, kind of a similar background, I got my undergrad degree in radio television production. And, you know, kind of thinking, oh, maybe I was going to go into television news, but instead got my master's in literature, thought I was going to do, get my PhD and teach literature for a living. But social media ended up being being what I, I ended up doing and, you know, where I thought I was going to be writing giant novels. I'm writing tweets of 280 characters or less. And... <laughs> hey, it's all storytelling. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you've really, in, in recent days, kind of proven yourself a, a, a master of this, I think. Oh, my. And thank you. When we first kind of met online, mm -hmm. you know, I, we had been following each other for just fairly recently from the past couple of months. And I, you know, I, I, you know, this this new name on my Twitter feed just would keep popping up with these really insightful little tweets about social media marketing and higher ed. And it was always kind of I was like, oh, this is, that's, there's, you know, Ginny Lee Fowler again, you know? And I had tweeted that I was making a concerted effort, which over the past few months to, to at least once daily start tweeting mm -hmm. about social media marketing and in higher ed, but also in a, in a broader sense. And you DM'd me saying that, you know, this was your quarantine experiment, that you were doing something very similar and <laughs> trying to, on your personal account, tweet your daily thoughts about social media. So can, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you come about this quarantine experiment? 
Uh, why have you done it? And, and some of the things that you've learned. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you. That's incredibly flattering. So I am um, just, yeah, that's, that's hitting me right here. <laughs> that's thank you for those flattering words. You know, I, I have to say, so the first couple of weeks working from home, they were, they were rough. You know, I don't, I don't know if you remember your first weeks, but if they were, gosh, I, you know, I would, I wasn't in a really great space and I was thinking if I continue down this path, it's, it's not going to be good and it's not going to look good for me. So, you know, I made a couple of commitments and I was just for the sake of wellness. I was thinking I need to like move <laughs> on a regular basis. Like I need to move my body on a regular basis and I need a challenge or I need a, I need a project to commit myself to. And so I think that day I signed up for a free webinar. You know, there's so many webinars and talks and sessions going on right now. And I signed up for a webinar and one of the presenters said, you know, try tweeting every day for 30 days and see, you know, and see what works. And I was like, okay, you know what, that's, that's my project. I had been neglecting my own personal channels and mostly because I, I have a kid and I like to, when, if I'm present, I like to really, really be present. And I think that I, in the ladder of what, what's a priority, my own personal channels were not a priority, but I, I went after hearing that on that webinar, I, I, I was like, okay, that's, this is going to be sort of my pet project. And so I started tweeting like on April 14th, I just started sharing a thought or an, um, something, an observation or something that I've learned in my, you know, years as managing the social channels for MIT. And yeah, it was interesting. At first it was fun. I was getting engagements and, you know, some got more than others. And it was funny because it was it, on day 26. I was just kind of like, oh, I, don't, uh, I don't know. This seems to be doing well, but like I started off with less than 1200 followers and I just was kind of teetering on the 12, 10, and I'd lose two, and I'd gain two, and I'd lose two. And, you know, I always tell people, don't get caught up in the numbers. Just, you know, you got to do you, and the rest will come. And day 26, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe this just isn't for me, or maybe my thoughts aren't very insightful. Maybe they're moldy old, and maybe they're just sort of like, you know, common sense. Um, and then I, I saw your tweet, and I, I it inspired me. You're, you, you know, kind of said something about, I made a promise to, you know, share an insight and, and people want to hear what you've learned and people want to hear what, you know, what you've observed. And, and I saw that and it just, it, I saw it at the right time because I was just like, yes, okay, that's all I need. And I even DM'd you and I said, thank you for this tweet. I, you know, I felt compelled to say thank you for this tweet because I've kind of promised myself this pet project and I'm on day 26. I was losing motivation. And can I tell you from that to two days later, I had sort of this tweet that resonated with you and with people. And from there, I think I went from like 12, like from 1215 to like 1267 followers. And while that might not seem like a lot, like I always tell people, again, don't compare your numbers. Like my numbers are never going to be like MIT's numbers, but that's a 4% growth in one day. At MIT, if we have around a 1% growth in a month, that's huge. Like you, we, usually we see like a 0.9% growth, but you know, if you're growing incrementally like that, then you're within the year, you're going to be growing exponentially. And, and I always tell this to people, but I kind of, you know how you don't often take your own advice. 
<laughs> so I really kind of sat down and was like, you know, this is okay. All right. I feel like I've, I've broken through a plateau and then it just started becoming fun. You know, I think people were, they found value in what I was sharing. And now people are asking me follow-up questions, which is awesome. You know, that's what I do a lot in my role at work every day is like, you know, I meet with communicators that are now tasked with managing a social media account for like a MIT department lab or center. And some of them are very new to it. They're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't know how to do this. And, and then we start, you know, then that then we start from there. And other other people are very advanced. And they want to talk about um, how to break into the Chinese market, which is an entirely different strategy, you know, so they from wherever they are, we start from there. So yeah, like it just it just started becoming fun <laughs> and I feel like I was breaking through and and from there you asked me to come on to this podcast and so it's already I guess paying dividends for me <laughs> or it's 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 growing my little pet project is growing excellent well, I'm so glad you've decided to stick with it because you know I I would say you know I, I follow around a thousand people on Twitter and there's a handful of people that when they tweet I I stop and I'm like, whatever I'm doing, I see it there. I'm like, okay, we're going to read what they say. And, and, and you, you've moved yourself into those ranks with some That's of the amazing. stuff. So uh, one thing I'll say right now for anyone listening, if you're, if you're not following Ginny, she's is at the Ginny Lee L I. So stop what you're doing. Like go ahead and log into Twitter and, and, and follow Ginny. Um, so one, one thing to kind of think about too. And I, I think, you know, Joel, do you want to talk about this a little bit about, uh, you know, how you know, some people are kind of nervous about their own social accounts? Yeah. So one thing that JS and I have noticed, and uh, probably a lot of other people have noticed that for for those of us that are not, I think, not just in social media, I think on the front lines of communicating for our institutions or our employers, if we're kind of on the fringes of higher ed or in other industries, we kind of tend to think we have to back off on maybe being completely transparent or being completely open and honest in the way that we communicate on our personal accounts, just because maybe an employer is going to be upset about it or, uh, you know, we risk having a little bit more pressure at work, things like that. Do you experience that at all or, or have you? And how do you think in terms of how you approach your own social accounts and, and being and having and creating your own voice? What, what could we, what are, what are good ways that other people or good tips other people could take away from, from that communication style to, to kind of find their own voice and, and not live and work in fear, I guess? <laughs> is this kind of a fear-based thing? Yeah, no, you know, I think this question is really interesting because if you are going to apply for a, a job with social media in the title, at least, you know, even when there are partners that ask me to interview a social media candidate, you know, candidate for a social media position, the first thing I do is look at their personal social media accounts. And I want to see that they're active in, in them. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting, right? I think I, I find that you have to be a personal social media user in order to do it professionally. Um, so I would really encourage people to be active. But I, I would say that what might have kept me from being active in it was imposter syndrome. Mm. You know, 
you just feel, you know, I, I knew that I was doing a good job because, you know, am I to kept me around? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, you know, they gave me a new title. And so, you know, I, I knew that I was doing a good job, but you just, you just wonder if like these little observations that you think or that you've learned over time, if other people would find value in them mm, or yeah. if people would say no no dudge and we all you know we all know that so there's this fear of being a fraud I think you know but through this through this experiment I've, I've learned that people you know, share your information share your ideas because not everyone has gone through that process that you have mm. you know now I think of it if you know if I can save someone time <laughs> I, you know, sharing what I've learned, I think that's, that's great. Like I'm a sharer by nature and I'm a connector of people. I'd say share your ideas because they, if you've had an aha moment, share that aha moment because people are going to find value in that. I think that's interesting. I've never, I've never actually chalked it up to imposter syndrome, but I, I think it's, that's an actually, that's actually a really insightful kind of thought process to to go down. For me, it's always been like less on the social media side because I'm not a social media manager. I'm just a general marketer in general. But the, you know, the thoughts in terms of like blog posts to write, talk proposals to submit to conferences and things like that. There's a level of me, it's like, well, this is obvious. This is too simplistic. Why would I, why should I write about this? Or I've seen 20 other people write about this thing. Why, why, I don't need to do it. Why shouldn't I? But I think you're right. Like there's, there's still going to be people within your own circles and within your own network that haven't seen those ideas or haven't read the same articles as you, or maybe just need to hear it one more time from someone else that they connect with because they interact with them a little bit more often and that sort of a thing. And I, yeah, I think that's, um, that's a, that's a really interesting and insightful thought. Yeah. And, and on, on the imposter syndrome topic, we all get imposter syndrome, and I think by sharing... No, I don't remember, JS. Oh, yeah, you don't. You don't. <laughs> Everyone except Joel gets imposter syndrome. That's awesome. I told Aaron Sapinka that so on a couple, a couple episodes ago. I listened to that episode. That was... Aaron's awesome. Aaron's the best. Incredible. But we all, with the exception of Joel, get imposter syndrome, and I think it's helpful when we see other people share ideas that are similar to ours and especially, you know, that, that we might respect or, you know, also at an institution like MIT, I think, I think there's, there's an assumption that the people running social media or doing communications at, at larger institutions are always on top of their game and super confident. And it's like, <laughs> no, you know, they have the same, when, when I read some of those tweets, some of the same issues too. Being at a, you know, relatively smaller institution in, in Arkansas, I, I, I know from, in fact, personally, sometimes I feel like, oh man, I bet you if I was at a, a a bigger school, I wouldn't have all the same problems I have right now. But we all have those problems or just a different set of problems that are just slightly shaded a little bit differently. So I think as being professionals in the field and, and sharing our experiences, we're, we're, we're helping ourselves and we're, we're, we're helping others through, through our own sh sh uh, sharing of our shared experiences totally 100 that is that is definitely something that i that this process has affirmed for me i think for sure and then on top of that i think one thing i i've learned you know my experiments lasted a little predates quarantine a little bit but 
finding my personal voice on Twitter has helped me become a better communicator for the institution I represent. And this is one thing I'm kind of curious because I've noticed a little bit, you know, looking at some tweets of, of yours and from, from MIT and seeing, you know, little touches of, of, of you there. And, you know, what, one, one example that I came across recently that I was really impressed with, and I, it took me a second and then I saw, okay, wait. I, and again, I may be off. I'm reading into the story a little bit, but Recently, from the MIT Twitter account, there was a, the, a letter regarding to the MIT community regarding efforts to chart MIT's course for the summer, fall, and beyond, kind of expressing what, what's going on with, with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the tweet immediately after is, TLDR, we're starting to test what's doable for the short term. And I love that. And I realized a second afterwards, <laughs> wait, I think Jenny tweeted something about TLDR post on her personal account. And that kind of migrating itself over to the professional account, um, which I, I think is amazing. I haven't seen that you know this little tactic done on a, uh, especially in relation to to COVID communications. But I really like how you've got this one tweet that's wonderful. But I mean, it's kind of the boilerplate. You know, here's our letter of things, and then immediately tweet following in in plain language. Here's what you need to know. In in what ways do you think your quarantine experiment has helped you in a professional capacity in your day-to-day job duties? So I I will say that you're incredibly observant. That was a very, very good catch. And that's, um, it's funny because that's a strategy that we just recently employed, you know, because we were saying these letters are, are long, they're lengthy, you know, and so how do we really give more information quickly because right now there's there's a lot of information out there that we need to disseminate so how do we pare it down and tldrs are they're just a part of you know mit vernacular and culture everyone uses them in in emails and so we just started employing that but the reason why i share that on my personal account is because as a manager of an account i i found this tactic to be successful or you know i think i think it's working or it's resonating with our audience which is why i would share it you know i i only want to share the good stuff right you only want to share what worked um although you know i would encourage i i should actually start sharing the mistakes i've made too so people can learn from them now that i think about it but i think it has helped because it really helps me um sort of hone in that one lesson or that one point, like, I don't want to say point, because it's, it's, it's not like a point. But, you know, part of my job is to make the social media experience across the MIT community equal, the same, right? So whether you're experiencing our athletics account, or if it's the mechanical engineering school of mechanical engineering account, or our a mind hand heart account, you know, or a center. Like I, I, I want everyone to know that I am a resource for them. You know, we're dealing with a lot of people that are one man communication teams, one man, one woman communication teams. And a lot of times social media is not their forte per se. It's just something that they've adopted. So I always want to make clear that I'm their team, right? Like if they want to help think through strategy or if they want to know best practices or what sort of um, what's worked for others in the MIT community. I'm, I'm here, you know, to advise them, to consult. And I've, I found that like, when you really have to focus your 
responses to 280 characters or less, it, it helps me sort of really focus those lessons that I want to share with the rest of social media managers throughout the MIT community. So I feel like it's really kind of sharpened my ability to do that, if that makes any sense. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I think think the same for me is the kind of crafting those personal tweets where I'll even, you know, I get an idea and I'll write it out in, in Twitter and then pause and just save it in my drafts folder and then like two or three days later cut out some words or or, or, or kind of fine tune it or or even maybe start with a thought and you know work backwards. Okay, what's I have this this nugget I want to share. What's the best way to get this across? on Twitter? Is it a pithy list? Is it a meme? What 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 is it? How can I best express this one single truth I, I, I want to get out there? And it can, can really be a challenge sometimes, but I, I, I really enjoy it. And I think it does help me to do it better on my professional account as well. Totally. Same. Yeah, same. I have, and I, I, I like Google Keeps. I have like a Google Keep document with just like potential tweets or tweets that I've done. And I mean, it, it just keeps getting longer and longer, but sometimes I'll put a thought in there and I'll just look at it and refine it. And I don't know, you, you just know when you feel like you're ready to share it, you know, but I'm the same. Sometimes I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, kind of being concerned about future employment and what kind of things you're, you're tweeting out from your personal account. So sometimes if I'm having a bad day and I tweet, um, I kind of type a little, little, uh, to put it politely, passion forward, I know I'll let it sit in the drafts folder for like a week, <laughs> and if, it, if I still feel like I I want to put that out there, okay, I can I can do that a week later. Uh, I've got about ten tweets in my drafts folder about how much I hate Canva, so uh, <laughs> those will be spread out over the next several months. <laughs> I, yeah, I listened to that podcast. I I um, admire your passion. <laughs> Uh, one of the few then. (laughs) (laughs) So that said, let's talk about, you know, who, who on Twitter right now do you look to for, for inspiration? Maybe not just on Twitter and social media in general that, that, that you see and, you know, maybe, maybe some universities that you think are doing a job, but more, more over individuals that, that you look towards, uh, you know, you, you mentioned you, you have a, um, a three scroll rule, mm-hmm. you know, when you're thinking about following someone, if, if you scroll past three times and there's nothing that really stops you, you don't, don't follow them. So <laughs> who are the, the people that, that, you know, got the follow on the first scroll, uh, and, or maybe you pause when you're going through Twitter to be sure that you read every time. This is a tough one. So, you know, NASA does a brilliant job, right? Um, I'm really enjoying the national park service account lately and i know we're talking about twitter but they're just they're killing it on instagram i don't know if you're follow them on instagram and oh yes the, you oh, know, the, they're amazing yeah the, the you know their descriptions on instagram like they're so good i i learned you know from that and and have translated into our posts and twitter posts and instagram posts um you know i, I just i just feel like there are flashes of flashes of brilliance like everywhere or flashes of inspiration everywhere like you remember when it was the oreo cookie super bowl tweet when um, of course yes yeah i you know that was that was so amazing and you know i I remember you know one time um 
the University of Wisconsin-Madison, they just had such a great moment where, um, I don't know if you guys were um, Game of, are you Game of Thrones watching? Oh, yes. Maybe? Very much okay. so. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think at this point I'm, like, spoiling anything. I hope <laughs> not. But do you, do you remember the um, Hold the Door reveal? Yeah, yeah. And the next day, you know, University I'm still heartbroken. Oh yeah, <laughs> but the, the day after that reveal, like University of Wisconsin Madison had a tweet that was just "hold the door," period, and they posted images of really ornate doors on their campus. And I just, I, I was like, I love this. This is the tweet of the year. I love this tweet. So I, ju I just feel like. You know, there are just flashes of inspiration everywhere out there, you know, so it's just kind of like you got to keep your eye open at all times, you know, but I will say like recently, Matthew Kobach, am I saying his name? Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, he's, I, I just feel like he is a great follow um, because he's just so good at, you know, putting together a, a witty but insightful tweet. And I say one thing that I really did learn from him was that you don't need an image or a GIF to go with every tweet, right? Just a clean, clear idea. And it'll, re it, it hopefully, you know, will resonate. Yeah. He's definitely a master of doing that. Um, if you're, if you're not following him, he is the social media manager for the New York stock exchange and, mm -hmm. uh, his social account is all just very clean, very sometimes very cutting comments on social media marketing, but the, mm -hmm. the um, it, it's a, he's a very insightful and powerful follow if you're if you're not following him already. Let's close it out with one last question. And and Jenny, do you have any advice for 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 those listeners who may want to take a similar quarantine kind of thirty day tweet a day experiment? What advice do you have for them? You know, I would I would say don't overthink it. I know that sounds kind of funny because, you know, I'll write something out and I'll stare at it and look at it over and over again to refine it. But what I do mean by that is if you have a thought, then share the thought. Like, I think the other day I had the thought like, gosh, you know, when you, you know, when you post to every channel using like one, using a social media management system and you just post one post on every channel, that's like a reply all email. And I just had that as a passing thought. And I thought, I think there's something there. And I wrote it down. So I, I would say if you just have like a passing thought like that, just jot it down and then craft it into craft it into a tweet, right? So I, I'd say don't overthink the initial nugget that you had or the initial thought. Um, maybe spend some time like really like refining it to make sure you only use the words that you need to communicate that thought but yeah like you know i don't think we give ourselves enough credit of like first of all there we have so many thoughts a day but some of them are really insightful and they're worth sharing and so i would encourage people to sh to share them you know try it and then you'll see what works and what doesn't you know i i will say i will say this during the during the experiment i you know it took days, right? I was posting one tweet a day. And then it took for day 26, 27, 28 for it to really take off. But if I hadn't had those posts prior to, right, if people came to my account and did the three scrolls and say 
though that content wasn't there, I don't think I would have gotten those follows. So I would say keep at it because you're kind of building yourself like a little bit of a library of content that when people do come and decide, they'll say, oh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I like what she's sharing and decide to follow you. So you need to put in sort of that time and then things will start, I think, happening toward the end of those 30 days. Yeah, I think that's perfect advice. I think sometimes, you know, even one struggle I have is I can be my own worst critic and be it just kind of demand perfection for every tweet. And, you know, it's my, my personal account, you know, if I'm going to tweet something every day, they're not all going to be winners. You know, some, sometimes I'm going to tweet out a dud and that's fine. It doesn't, my, my reputation is not ruined if I post something that's not absolutely perfect, but it's a matter of taking. Oh, we're so hard on ourselves, I know. right? We're so hard on ourselves. And, you know, all of those, it leads up to becoming better at it and, and, and sharing. And, you know, you, you post something that you know doesn't resonate with a lot of people that they, they go over it and they'll, they'll forget about it. And then the next thing you post kind of explodes or sometimes you'll surprise yourself. You know, I think my most successful tweet was something I almost didn't tweet. It, it was, I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was kind of overdone. It was a tiger King gif. I was just like, <laughs> what was it? Uh, oh, uh, social media managers. What's your, your target audience for this clients. And there was the tiger King saying, you know, on the internet worldwide. And I just, I was in the drive-through waiting in line at Wendy's and I was like, ah, whatever, I'll send it. It's Friday afternoon. And it just blew up. And, you know, sometimes you'll surprise yourself that those things, you know, we talked about imposter syndrome earlier, those things that don't really seem that profound to you might really resonate with, with others. So, um, yeah, keep at it. Yeah. I mean, you had that funny thought and you, sh you shared it and it resonated with people, you know? And, and I think too, I think sometimes you have to, you have to let your, your people find you. You have to let your niche find you. You know, I think one thing, another thing that I've learned was like those days where I was like gaining one, losing a follower, gaining, you know, one, losing two. I think, you know, my audience was starting to find me, you know, and you have to let that just happen organically. Yeah, exactly. I got a retweet from somebody who was really big in the the sports social media world. And I got a lot of sports social media followers all at once in one day. And I, I think I'm going to lose them all very quickly because I am not a sports person. Like <laughs> I, very quickly, they're going to learn that it's nothing but, you know, higher ed social media tweets and Dune references. And, uh, <laughs> we're gonna, but that's fine. They're not my, my niche. I'm not an athletics person. So yeah, find, find your niche, find your audience and, and, and speak to that. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you for, for, for being on the show and taking the time to be with us today. And like we said, if you're not following Jenny already, uh, get on that because she's, she's killing it out there. And, and there's some really, she's putting out some information that, that you need to read. Thanks. This was great. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Thought Feeder podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and we would appreciate a follow, a subscribe, a rating, a review, whatever you can give us. We are at ThoughtFeedPod on Twitter, and you can also find us at ThoughtFeederPod.com, where all of the episodes are listed and links to every possible subscription service that we are on. Thanks again for listening.
Thought Feeder is hosted by Joel Goodman and John Stephen Stancil and edited by Joel Goodman. Thought Feeder is sponsored by University Insight. 